Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram podcast with your hosts, certified Enneagram coach Milton Stewart. Well, we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and our community. I am extremely excited today to be on this episode. I have one of my favorite people, one of the people who has helped me immensely to not only understand the Enneagram, but to really truly develop more getting closer to my essence. And so I'm super excited to have my very first Enneagram teacher, Dr. Ginger Lapid Bagda here. So I'm cheesing right now and you can't see this on the podcast, but I'm cheesing because I'm so excited to be here. So we're going to get into it. Let's go intro music. Finding help for your mental and emotional struggles can be challenging. With so many barriers like cost and even feeling safe looking for a counselor can be tricky. So I know it's hard. And you know, the worst part is you really don't have the time or mental space to be trying to figure out how to find a counselor when you're having personal struggles. So thanks to BetterHelp, they are built on making counseling accessible, affordable, convenient so that anyone who's having struggles in their life can actually get the help they need at any time and anywhere, which is so important, especially now. All the professionals are licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited. And what I love so much about them is that they have a diverse group of counselors with a broad and various amounts of different backgrounds to help all their different clients. If you need some help, try BetterHelp. You can get a 10% off discount from your first month when you go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash D-O-I-T. All right, we are back. So Ginger, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Only if you tell me what cheesing means. This is a generational thing, I think. Oh, oh, smiling really hard, cheekbones real high, just a, a really, really big smile. Okay. So who is Ginger? Who is Dr. Lapibada? Well, Milton, you know, you've known me, we've known each other a number of years, and I rarely go by Dr. Lapibada. And, you know, that is intentional. I am, I just want to honor you. I appreciate that. I totally appreciate that. But it sort of tells us something about sort of like, so for me, I feel very proud and happy that I got a PhD. And one of the things that I learned about getting a PhD is it isn't really a reflection of one's intelligence. It's a reflection of one's perseverance because there are so many places along the way, steps where people drop off, drop out, you know, and I saw that happen and I just never occurred to me to do that. I'm like, okay, I'm here. I said I would. I did not do the topic that my advisor wanted me to do. <laughs> and I stood strong on that. And, uh, so um, because he thought I would be the um, PhD person in his program, it was a program that's called Confluent Education, and it integrated, and this is 1970s, 
the um, intellect with the affect. See, because most, so I was into this mind, heart, and then the structure was based on experiential learning. So you get the body. So for, you know, I was always, I've been into that since 1970. So his view was I was an elementary school teacher. I am creative. So I was doing, you know, experiential education, head, heart, body, even, even then. But, um, but with a, you know, I always had like made it really interesting because you can do head, heart, body, experiential and not be interesting, really, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it can, yeah. you know, that doesn't in the stuff. So I did that. So he, I was going to be his uh, early ent- elementary person that was going to write a book on how to do this with young children, you know, up till like sixth grade or eighth grade. And you know what? I diverted. Now, he, I didn't know that was his expectation, but, you know, so I was um, involved in the women's movement in the 1970s pretty rigorously and, you know, working with setting up consciousness raising groups, not only, uh, you know, all over the East Coast. And once I was in my own, I thought and how valuable it was, right? So I'm doing that. So I decided to do my PhD work on reducing gender bias in elementary school teachers. Now, he said, that's not a topic for a dissertation. I mean, there's tons of dissertations on gender bi- roles and bias and everything. But then, you know, he was a little on the conservative side in that sense, because I think he was mad at me for not doing his will. And I just was very much social action oriented. I'd been doing work with gender, with race. And really it was also about power and power dynamics and, you know, and dominance and non-dominance and those sorts of things were always important to me. I can't remember when they weren't. And so, but I'm a child, not a child, but I was a child of the 60s. And, you know, all of that. So, you know, which is fun. I happen to have been in sort of interesting places at the right time. So that sort of has informed me. So the question of who am I? Well, that's like, I mean, it depends on the level of question you're asking, you know, as a person, as I experience myself, uh, my credentials, but I, that's where the doctors can come. So it's like, I usually don't talk about, oh, I did this and I did that. And oh, I've got this PhD and please call me you know, Dr. Lapp at Bogda. The only time I ever really used that was I worked as a consultant, an organization development consultant in a healthcare setting. And the doctors uh, there, some of them would say, you have to call me doctor. And they'd put their last name. And I'd say, okay, I'll call you doctor, whatever, if you call me Dr. Lapid at that time. Right. And, well, you don't, you're not a real doctor. And I'm like, I have a PhD. I'm entitled to go by doctor. That's good. But we're going to work together. I want to be me and you as people without the formality of anything. So anyway, and for a long time, I just didn't even put tag PhD on my name, but now I do. But, you know, it's just about that. So I think of myself as a person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> who's been on a growth path since I was probably there, I can, I kind of think of it as 12 years old, mm. both uh, psychological and spiritual, of course, different things. I accelerated both directions. So I'm still, I always, I see myself on, you've probably heard me say this as we're all works in progress. So I still am and uh, enjoying it very much. And, um, and just thrilled when I first met you. <laughs> That's so interesting. I've been reading lately. I love how there was a, a pause after you said, I see myself as a person. Uh, <laughs> I absolutely love that. I'm 
lately I've been reading a little bit of um, Gurdjieff, a little bit. Me too, by the way. Yes. I, you should see all the books piled up, Gurdjieff and Nichols and Bennett and uh, Richard Knowles. Like I've been immersing myself in all of this early stuff. You too, huh? Yes, I have. I am. Oh my goodness. It's become so fascinating lately to me. Mm-hmm. And my mind is being blown. It's just, you know, all of these things that people think is like a new revelation and things. I know. It's, <laughs> it's been here. Like it's been here. I know. <laughs> And some of these new revelations that are really not accurate have been debunked already. It's like, really? Come on. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I was reading something just really quickly. Gurdjieff was talking already the whole thought about science versus religion or spirituality. thing. That's been been done, been been thought through. Been there, done that. Can we get over that? Exactly. Uh, Been there. And then something you said, just just talking about like, Becoming a human, becoming a person first, because mm-hmm. we're so in our patterns. And so we, we we don't even realize, like, we're not actually really making real choices, you know, right. like, we're just following the pattern. Um, so that kind of leads into the, 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 the next question I kind of want to ask is, like, how did the Enneagram find you? I started using that question, you know, in programs, you know, ask sometimes I'll ask people in programs that are, they already know the Enneagram because what I um, have found is people, if people think they found the Enneagram, they're people that are not going to really engage with the processes and the work and that they're in a way with, without their knowing it, they're thinking they're planning to use the Enneagram in some way. And I believe that the Enneagram finds us. And then for those of us who are going to make a contribution with it, through it, the Enneagram works through us. We're the vehicle for it. We're not the finder of it. And most people that I know who are working with the Enneagram and are passionate about the, um, have a story about how the Enneagram found them. And um, so do you want to hear mine? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. So this is how random it is. Or is it random? Serendipity, right? All right. So my I first heard the name Enneagram in the 1970s because now... If context, I am an Enneagram two, and so you know my pat- pattern is like relationality, relationships, right? So when I say I had a lot of boyfriends, I don't want to give you the misimpression because I'm talking about since I was five years old, right? Right. <laughs> so when I say these weren't quite boyfriends, but two different men I dated in college that didn't, I don't think they knew each other too well or anything. They both were part of the Eureka group that um, the group that went down from the U.S. to Arika Chile to study with Achazo. And so, and I was in contact with both of them at different times and they both told me about it, but you know, you weren't supposed to, if you went down there, talk, share it, it was not acceptable to do that. So they didn't tell me so much about it. Right. So I was a little intrigued. One of them in retrospect was a five and the other one was probably a seven. So they probably went down for different reasons or I don't even know how they found it. Okay. So that's my first exposure, but I it didn't find me because I didn't pursue it, right? Okay, so now we go, if I go into the 1990s, that's like 20 years later, right? And this is not uncommon because people get a first exposure and it doesn't quite, you know. So then I had worked as, at Esalen Institute. I'm a trained Gestalt um, therapist. And so part of my training was I had to go someplace else besides my the growth center where I was being trained to get the training. So I go to Esalen in the in Big Sur and it's absolutely beautiful to get some more training there. 
And then I liked it so much and I was just the right age at the right time. So I became friends with, you know, here I am, friends with a lot of the people who worked there, plus some of the people who taught there, you know. So they go, okay, you should come and get a job here. So I had a job as a gate guard where I was the person when you go down the hill and you want to get in to Esalen, but you don't have a legitimate, you know, legitimacy for doing so. I'd have to tell you to turn back, which a lot of people didn't want to do. But, you know, I had to, I had these keys, right? I had a whole bunch of keys. It was like my sim. So I learned how to sort of be more assertive. If you'd known me then, it was like saying, turn around, please. This isn't, you know, no, that wasn't going to do hack it. So, so Esalen was always my go-to place after that for, you know, the next 15 years when I wanted a vacation because it's really beautiful. The food is organic. They have awesome bread wonderful baths, great massages, right? Mm. So I decided I want to go to a program because I wanted to go up to Esalen and the only one on the schedule that I had not done before because I'd been, you know, been through almost everything, <laughs> you know, All right. um, was the underground. So I, you know, trot myself off to this for five days and I bring my assistant with me just because company share, room share. And we get there and it's billed as a big, be- a beginner's class, but it isn't. It's an advanced class. There's 40 people in it. We're two. And I'm scrambling to figure out what my type is. Um, so at first I wasn't quite a fan of it because obviously I hadn't, I was out of my element. And also I didn't really know what my type was. And I'm like, okay. And then people are showing around numbers and I'm going, this, what is this? But I'm also, I was never, and I'm still not a fan of personality systems. So I do not think of the Enneagram. You've heard me say this, I know. It's not a personality system. It's not a tool. It's a path. It's a map and a path. But anyway, closer to what I think it is. But so they're going forward with that. So after the third day, I I stayed just, and then I said, you know, maybe there's really something to this. And by the last day, I'm like, oh, there's something I've got to learn more. And I only went into my own development, personal and spiritual. I wasn't thinking about using professional. So then I leave. That was my idea. So I leave. You haven't heard this story? I've heard part of it, but I haven't heard some of these details you've thrown in here. So the room we're in is like one of the most, it's called the Roundhouse. It's where Fritz Perls used to hold his gestalt sessions at Esalen. And that's Helen Palmer was the teacher of the Enneagram. Anyway, so I leave and the elevation is sort of high, so there's a little bit of a, I wasn't high, but, you know, a little, <laughs> bit, a little more oxygen, and it overlooks the Pacific Ocean. And so all of a sudden, my eyes are open. It's a beautiful, sunny day, and I see in my mind, I had to blink to make sure, uh, a dirigible or a, a, it's a Zeppelin, you know, one of these floating big things that usually carries, like, by tires mm-hmm. from. So this thing appears, the Zeppelin, and it's got a, a tag on the end that says, your job is to bring the Enneagram out more into the world. I'm like, um, what? So I blink and blink and I, then I go, so what am I supposed, what is, what am I supposed to do? And it goes, what does that mean? It's like, well, there's, you're supposed to bring, you know, and you don't need to do anything. And so I go, oh, really? I'm not, I'm used to doing things, right? So then, well, what's, what am I, what's the, what's the plan? That's not my plan. And it comes back. So it doesn't matter what your plan is. Okay. So I go, okay. So, you know, then things evolve, but, um, so, you know, I realized that 
I had been a trainer in company organizations and a consultant and a coach for so many years and knew so much about that. That was my venue. Like I'm supposed to bring it out in the world. So obviously I'm not supposed to just use this for my own self development, which was my intention or plan, you see? So then it's like, okay. So then I realized, oh, okay. I can combine what I know about organizations with the Enneagram. I saw that pretty quickly because in training and in consulting and these behavioral science models are the really good ones are good for people, but they don't specify anything more than just, this is how what's good for people to give feedback, or this is what's good for people to communicate. But I could run the nine types through each of these really good models that I already knew and worked with. And wow, you know, together, it's like much more potent. So that was pretty clear. I could do that. And um, I also became clear because I was in the uh, narrative Palmer Daniels program, and you had to type people as part of the kind of Mm -hmm. certification. And I had just moved to Los Angeles, so I didn't have enough people around me to do that. But I was traveling a lot for clients. So I was working with my clients. Would you let me type you? Like, yes. And then I felt like I needed to give them a book or something. So I'd give them a book. And as I was working with them and going through my certification, they would say, this is really great. Can you use this with my team? So that's also how it became clear that I was supposed to do. See, I didn't do no effort, no plan. So that's how the whole thing played out. That's incredible. I, I love that. And I, I've heard you talk about this before, about when you discover your number, because you talked about it being a, at first it was kind of tricky, mm-hmm. like discovering your number. And so can you talk a little bit more about that too? Yeah, surely. So it is, it context is I'm at this group at Esalen and it's advanced program and I'm a beginner. So everybody knows their number, right? So I'm going through this, Kellen's first book and trying to figure out what I might be. Because I thought, oh, that's not going to be that hard because I've done so much. I've done a lot of work psychologically and spiritually. It sh- shouldn't be that hard. So I come to um, and sort of thought, oh, I'm, I think I'm a four, right? That makes sense. So and everything, se- I can make it work and fit. And, you know, nobody, I, even through my certification, nobody ever said, Ginger, maybe you're not a four. The only person who came close was Helen and she said, Ginger, you know, if you're a four, you have to be self-preserving four. You couldn't be the other two subtypes. And I'm like, okay. And I could see that because it's a counter type and it doesn't quite look like the type and they're busy. And but and I, I don't know. It's like I never related to the push-pull of the four. Mm-hmm. That was the, I couldn't even, you know, a lot of times we can force fit ourselves into some little. Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> this was not, I couldn't do go there. And once I learned more about the subtypes and the self-preserving for they, you know, they do a lot of activity as a way to um, kind of not feel uh, the suffering that they actually feel internally and to deal with the pain and they go stoical and I'm not really stoical. No. And I, I can, I'm sort of a busy person, but I wouldn't describe myself as I like to stay busy. I would say, and I look busier than I actually am only because people see me in the day or working and I'm, yeah, I work, you know, a day, but at night, I mean, and I, my son who, you know, um, when he was young and all, I'm doing all this Instagram stuff, but even now, I mean, at five, whatever the time is I end, I end, unless it's an emergency. I do not work at night. I chill. I do not work weekends unless it's an emergency or something like that, or I have to, I totally chill. So and you wouldn't, if you saw what I do at night and weekends, you wouldn't call me busy, right? Like I'm reading some books or I might be 
watching a show. That's doing something. Sometimes I'll just sit there and do nothing and just enjoy that or a, a nice meal. I'm, I'm just not busy right. <laughs> in the sense of that. It's more relaxing. I'm very relaxed off hours. And so, yeah, so, so that didn't fit. So then I meet Claudio a couple of years later and I was then the co-chairing a conference and he was the keynoter. And um, I should have known the the board decided that I should make him feel comfortable, even though he knew some of the other board members, right? Me, I'm like, I don't know him. What am I going to go? Well, I, Claudia and I had a kind of a nice connection for years, but from that, but anyway, so I'd met him just briefly. It, it was just funny how I met him. So he said to me, I guess the, the anecdotes are more interesting, aren't they? He, uh, I met him, we met him, we smile. Okay. Now I, I do have a Gestalt background. He has a major Gestalt background. He doesn't know that about me or anything, but you know, there's some sort of a way that when you're trained in Gestalt, it's, it's about being in touch with what's going on with you right now, being able to say what it is that's to be said directly, not harshly, you know, mm-hmm. that's sometimes people say, Ginger, you're too direct to be a two. And I'm like, you know what? Some twos can be quite direct, but it wasn't how I used to be. Right, right. I love that about you, by the way. I do. I really that I'm do. Direct? Yes, I love it with a passion. Yeah, like you know, some people like get, don't like directness, but I'm not harsh or anything. It's like I'll say no. I don't understand something, or I don't know. I just like whatever. So, but that's something I I kind of kind of got instilled in me. So, Claudia, right there. So then we're going out. Oh, I know what it was. So I belonged to a beach club at the time. So we decided we were going to host him and some of the people he brought with him and the board at the beach club. So I'm not driving him. Like, that's fine. I'm driving some other people. And the car he's in breaks down. So I get a call from the right. It's like, we have a problem. The car's broken down that we're in. Claudio's in it. Um, can, you know, so I sort of get it arranged. So he gets picked up and we're all at the beach club. And so I'm making him feel comfortable. So what I say to him is, um, cause I'm running out of things to say. I don't know him, you know, right. <laughs> like we're, we're like, I did this thing where we're rotating tables. So he stays one place and the board members rotate. So we can mm-hmm. all have a little time with him. What some people during the appetizer, some, okay, I've got this whole, th- you know, it's like in my thing to do. And so what I say to him is, cause I'm running out of, you know, I don't know what to say. When, what would you say to Claudio? I mean, I don't know. I would want to listen. <laughs> All right. Right. So I'm like, okay. So, and he's a five, right. And I know he's a gestalt therapist. So if I do something too bs that's going to like be a really, you know, it's like, no, speak what you have to say or don't speak. And he's a five. He's not, doesn't speak that much anyway. I'm like, okay. So I go inside and what comes out of my mouth is, you know, Claudia, I've thought, uh, you know, for several years, I thought I was a four, but I'm, I'm just wondering about that now. Mm. And he goes, Mm, puts his hand on his beard. No, not a four. And I go, well, okay. And he says, yeah. And then he said, you're too this, you know, right. you're, too, you're too consistently warm. Mm. Mm. Wow. And I had to say, yeah. And I said, and he said, yeah, you're warmer to some people than others, but you're still warm. And I go, oh, and then he goes, and I don't sense anything bitter about you. Like you're not sort of bitter about anything that happened. He doesn't even know my background, but I've had a lot of trauma and mm-hmm. everything. And I'm, you know, in different ways. 
family, first husband, you know, beating me up, you know, all that. Um, and I've had all that and I work with that, but, and I don't feel bitter about it. You know, I just go, okay, I have this attitude, like things happen. This happens to me. I've got, I will deal with it. I'll try to learn from it and grow. You know, it's like, this is the cards that in this set hand right now. And it's not that I don't suffer for it. I, you know, it takes me some while to work to it, but after I've worked with this, I don't feel bitter about what has happened. You see what I mean? And so I had to admit, say, he wasn't, and I, I go, well, that's true. And then there's one other thing that I can't remember what he said. But so I said, well, if not for what? And he goes, mm, I don't know you well enough. So this is really cool. He goes, but maybe a two. So, you you know, Milton, you've seen me work with people. I remember that. So, you know, I've gotten, I think, as adept as I am, can be, and I keep getting better. If people are mistyped, I can pick it up pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I can say why. And see, that's that experience. And if they say, well, what, you know, if somebody asks me, what do you think? I go, I don't know you well enough. And I really mean that. And I realize now as I'm telling you, I'm maybe invoking my inner Claudio or something, but I do think it's possible for me to say, I'm not sure that this is the right type because, and I can give answers why and what who, what type somebody is. It takes me longer. And then I'd rather have them figure it out anyway. Right. But he goes, maybe it too. So I started working with that. And then I Got, see, at the time I went through this, there was not that much known accurately about the subtypes. And so what we were presented, generally speaking, it wasn't just in the Palmer Daniels. It was um, primarily the self-preserving kind of one-to-one, too. But it was all lumped together in terms of twos are sweet and they don't, they can't say no. And they accommodate everybody. And it's like, you know, for me, that's true. But I... I can't say no to some things. It's but the things that are to people are really close are things I feel responsible to. I I really struggle. I right. you know I really have to work and um you know I, I would I I teach it now. You've probably heard me say this, but some twos are really sweet and some are spicy mm-hmm. and some are a combination. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of a combo, a little on the sweeter than spicy. You know, I'm like forty five spicy and fifty five sweeter, maybe sixty or something. But yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how, so I'm very much an advocate of people finding their own type, but with guidance from, from some, a teacher, a coach who kind of knows what, how to help people find their type, not just some randomness. Yes. Mm. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> we are, oh. I, okay. I felt what you were saying when you, and I, I learned this from you, like from the very first, like. Enneagram course that I took from you. I learned this from you to be able to dive into the nuances of people and the things that they do mm-hmm. to be able to like notice something is off if the type is mistyped. It's like something's off. And literally the words you were using, I've used them, which is which is really? so good to hear. Like I've used them and to hear that you've also it's connected to Claudio as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, like I've literally used this exact example, matter of fact, mm-hmm. with someone where it was like, it was a 4-2 thing. And I was like, you're so warm when you speak. I was like, there's there's not a moment where it's like a mm-hmm. cool, more mysterious type of feel or distance. It's like yeah. always warm. Right. And so. <sighs> no, it's true. Now, I don't want to give, I wouldn't, I know you and I know how you take this, but the, the whoever's listening, I don't want to give the impression that I, that type matters as much as it might sound. Because I will say this in my programs in corporations and organizations, and it's like, 
your type really matters, but I'm not interested in your type really. And I want you to get attached to that because it's really about growth and development personally, professionally, spiritually, if you want to use it that way. And so your type is not a, it shows you the patterns more clearly, your worldview, your patterns of thinking, patterns of emotional response, of behavior. It's all about becoming more of actually be of who you really are and moving and, you know, kind of relaxing these patterns. So it shows you the patterns. That's why your type matters. And there's specific development for people of a specific type, you know, based on what they're trying to develop. So it's targeted development for you. That's why type matters. But type as it itself doesn't matter. Like, I don't care that you're, I do care about you, Milton. So I think it's, you know, you're a seven and in some level, so what, right? right. And, I'm two. and another level, so what? Well, because it helps me understand you better. As long as I don't stereotype you. Yes. Because no seven is like, every seven has, is like every other seven. And another level, not every seven is like every other seven. That's like this kind of, people like to kind of live in a duality. You're, if you're absolutely like this or you're not, you know, it's like, they don't have enough exposure, right? Because you know, there's so many reasons why there's variability, and yet a seven yeah. is a seven, is a seven, a two is a two is a two. Culture experiences, trauma, what you talk about quite a bit. I've learned from your books, even overlays, like all these things impact and have nuance to each one. So there's, and I love that the fact you're talking about how there's life period. There's not duality really in it. We mm-hmm. we've constructed it for some reason to help with it. Our, us try to fit stuff in our own boxes, but there's not really duality. So more than one thing can exist in at the same like, time. work at the same time, exact same time. So I yeah. love that. Oh, this is good. Oh my goodness. I'm loving it. I'm feeling it in my body right now. Um, can I get a plug for a book? Yes, please. Okay. So you mentioned trauma, right? And you're, you're referring to in typing and there can be trauma overlays. So, you know, that may be the type that you are truly wasn't enough of a strategy to function in that tr- environment. Right. And so often we'll use arrows and wings and that's really important. But there's another thing, which is how can we un- use our understanding of our type to help ourselves and help others we love and others we coach or counsel or with trauma. Actually, coaches don't work with trauma. They re- should refer. But anyway, so I've been waiting for this book for years. I'm not the person who could write it because I I've been, I have, I understand trauma. I do. And I understand psychology. I do. But there's a new book coming out. It should be in a couple of months. I, they keep shifting the name, but it's on trauma and resilience and type. And uh, it's uh, the authors are Sharon K. Ball and Renee Siegel. And I've read it and it's awesome. And it's going to make a huge difference. Because a lot of people are now like, oh, trauma is the latest thing. So a lot of Instagram people are trying to get, they don't know what they're doing. And so important when you, person has had trauma or you're working with trauma, that you understand how to work with trauma and with type within trauma. Do no harm. And you can do a lot of damage if you don't understand it. And this book is just amazing. But you may know, you know, Sharon, right? Oh, yeah. I know you. Very well. Yeah. Have you had a look at the book yet? So I've looked at part of it. I haven't I haven't dived deep into it like I want to just yet, but I'll definitely be getting into it. These are draft forms, but yeah, it's really awesome. Oh, okay. I'm I'm super excited to read it now. Um, I know you're very close to her. Yes, and so that that makes me really excited because 
I was when we're talking along these lines, like there's certain things I've really wanted my family to get into the Enneagram, like mm-hmm. more my extended kind of family because mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff going on. But as I have tried to get closer with teaching them it, I've realized how much trauma is actually there. And so I realized that I will mm-hmm. go to more training to understand and learn about trauma before I go there, because I realized I was like, I am not equipped for trauma help because I can unpack the box, but I have no I have no training necessarily on how to deal with the stuff when it comes out of the box at the level that it's going to come out with them just from our soft conversations. Like it hasn't even went deep. So I'm like, yeah. So here's the thing, Um, though. Are you going to get a a, a license, a a counseling license, trauma informed? Because, A, you should do that as you know, and B, (laughs) it's always a question about whether we should be doing this work with our families. Ooh, yes. Ooh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's someone else, but you're interested in the topic. So there's something you might, you know, there's specific counseling degrees or licensing things. And I think you've got, you know, well, let me get to you. I think you have an aptitude for just about everything and anything. And I've seen you in so many different roles and venues and stuff. So it's like, okay, the talent is awesome. And the, uh, I don't, I think you must be really smart too. <laughs> Because talent Maybe. and smartness, you can't say that about yourself, but, right, <laughs> you know, and commitment and everything. So I think that you would be really good. And you're so sweet, too. You've got such a big heart. Well, thank you. I've, I have my journey. Part of my path mm-hmm. was definitely first started with like when I realized like, hmm, this heart level thing, I'm kind of this connection I'm kind of missing it. So what, what's that heart thing? about? Right. Right. What is that? Yeah. Um, so. That was the first place I explored mm-hmm. on my journey. So that was huge. Well, you can tell the work because it's just there. You can feel it even over a screen. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Hi, Milton here. As you know, I'm the doer for the Grammar Enneagram podcast host. But what you may not know is that I'm also the founder of Kaizen Careers, an Enneagram coaching and consulting business. I help people overcome major inner obstacles using the Enneagram. I also work with different sized organizations to improve performance by using the Enneagram. I use the Enneagram to help organizations honor the humanity with its employees and leaders. To learn more or book me, go to kaizencareers.com and click start today or give me a call at 901-334-1644. Talk to you soon. So since we're segueing into this next question I have, many people may not have like who have listened may not have actually met me. They've heard my voice quite often, but they haven't met me. And especially, yeah, especially when I enter a space Mm -hmm. where I am a learner, where I'm coming to engage and I'm just coming and just bringing all the different parts of myself uh, Mm -hmm. to a certain degree. And so it's really interesting, um, especially I would say when I went to your very first class uh, in San Fran Mm -hmm. uh, in person, just the notes behind the whole trip was seven-esque, like just all the things that I was doing to get there and everything. It was so seven-esque, how I planned it. (laughs) There's so much sevening going on. Mm And I, I remember the first day I came in, one, I was late, first of all. Like, even though I was super excited to be there, I was late. Um, not only was I late, I came in with like shades on, this cool little jacket. And then I had a, a custom made Enneagram shirt. And I remember walking in and someone asked me, they was like, 
what's your type? And I was like, you can't tell. And I was like showing my shirt and everything. So what was your first impression when this when this person walks in with all of this sevenness and personality just everywhere? I cannot answer your question. <laughs> I can't. I wish I could. Um, I think it's a, a memorable story. And I have a mm-hmm. good memory for visual and kinesthetic and story. That's not how I think of you. And I think it's because I've known you in so many other contexts, Milton, that whatever you were doing there didn't imprint on me. And I don't know that I pay attention to what I what would have called in the past first impressions. Right. Because anymore, because I think, you know, it's like with the gestalt background that I still I don't practice it in per se anymore, but it's still part of me. I'm I'm paying more attention to other things than how you present yourself. And even when I first meet you, right? It's like, oh. And then I'm paying attention to patterns and energy and so I just think of you not in the first way you remember yourself coming in. I can get that. I can understand that. I'm sorry I don't even remember your shirt. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I've got a picture I have to send to you. I, yeah, send me that photo. Maybe it'll jog my memory, but it's not how I think of you. Um, I just remember it just being like, when I think back and I was like, I really did that. Mm, interesting. Well, now if you ask me the question differently, what do I okay. remember of my first sort of sense of you? Yes. No, that. So I can say this. Um, I knew right away that you and I were going to be in this for a long haul together somehow, but I didn't know what that meant. I also, that was my sense. And I also had a sense that you either had done quite a bit of work with yourself or were in the openings of doing that. So you're, uh, whatever you were, which I didn't know, right? Your type yet, really, or maybe I thought you were seven, I don't know, but that you are going to be a person who's going to be doing rather rapid movement without pushing. That's sort of like your time. It was your time. Mm-hmm. I remember that. And I've always said, and I probably told you this, but I don't want to say it too often because it might set like a, not a negative thing, but I think you're destined for some great things with this, all that you are, that you bring, you know, your intelligence, your energy, your kindness, you know, I don't know anything about your background. I really don't. But I can, I have a sense you've suffered and worked with, and you're working with that, right? Because I don't care what type you are, there's a level of, it's not empathy, it's compassion or something that if you suffered yourself and you worked with it, you haven't walled off. And you, so you have just so many wonderful things that are qual- human qualities, right? That, and I, and with your intelligence and your, Sort of like a little bit of nerve in a good way, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can move to push the envelope on the little, you're never outrageous, but, you know, you, you just kind of push the boundaries of, you know, sort of like, why not? You're in the world of why not? Why not? I don't feel like you're in delusion of you can do anything or everything's, you know, that's the more fixated version of the seven. I can do anything. Well, that's not true. You can't really do anything. Right. Can you make yourself 21 again? I don't know if you didn't want to. <laughs> you can't do that. I, mm, with what I know now compared to then, no, I wouldn't want no, to. No, no, you wanted that. But, you know, so that's my experience of you, which is different from my impression. I like that. So something I realized when I was at that course was 
I actually really faced how much I rationalized life. Mm-hmm. So I moved from a hotel to a hostel because I was like, I'll save money. So I had points for the hotel I was in beforehand. And then I went to this hostel. I was like, it's right by, it's right down the street. It's totally fine. It's like two nights. Mm. I've kind of told this story to the audience, but it's kind of like I, I got into the hostel and it was not, it was not the best. Was it the worst? <laughs> it was not the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't realize I kept saying that's fine it's fine I'm saving money even though I I didn't like it smelled bad inside of there like my I didn't feel like my luggage was necessarily safe I was in this room with people I didn't know like it wasn't like dirty but it wasn't clean like I like stuff to be clean where if I'm gonna stay a place Mm -hmm. so I walked downtown San Fran that whole night and came back really late so I wouldn't have to stay in it. And um, I know, right, the window was super thin, so I could hear all the ambulances, the fire trucks, the policemen, people yelling on the street. I hear all that. All, and we're like 12 stories up. And I'm like, why am I still hearing all this? Like, so all this is happening. The bed is like smaller than six feet and I'm six foot two. So I, I'm barely fit with my luggage in it because my luggage won't fit in the thing because I brought too much stuff and my luggage uh-huh. is big. But anyway, so I go to breakfast the next day and I'm getting my stuff because I'm still in my head. I'm still like, it's fine. It's OK. You're saving money. You're right down the street. You know, you can just walk up. And I have a bagel here. And like I'm finna put it in the toaster and this guy reaches over me to like grab a plate or something out the cabin cabinet and like water from his hand drips on my bagel. No. Oh, no. That was that was it for me. That was it. The bagel did it. I was like, I was like, oh, no, I, I threw my bagel away. Of course. And I was like, I'm just I'm just walking sh- straight to class like I'm, I'm done. And while I'm walking up this hill because I have to walk uphill, I was like, Milton. You don't like it. You don't like none of that. None of that is okay. And I was like, oh my my goodness, this is rationalization. Yeah. And this was the day after we did, you had us do the activity. Yeah. So I went back, got my stuff, checked out. I was like, don't, don't charge me for the next night. I'm not staying. Got all my stuff, left, came to the course. And I asked someone there to help me stay at their place. And they did, which was great. So I was like, wow. And it made me shift my whole thinking. Yeah. Of like, you know, so it's it's a sim- single incident, right? But sometimes a single incident can be transformative if, if the person understands the incident in a way and themselves in it. So that's a great story. I'm sorry, though. <laughs> I mean, it growth, mm-hmm. right? Growth. Mm-hmm. But I definitely remember that. And mm-hmm. And just some some other things I, I definitely remember. It was I remember you would you always ask for volunteers and the different your classes and where mm-hmm. you teach. Um, and I always been like I'm a person like hmm I'm wondering because I watch somebody else and I'm like hmm I don't know about that right yeah because you you know you ask really good questions and you'll really be able to dive in feel a person's energy and work with them. So I was like let me try this real quick. And I remember I volunteered one time and. I was, you were asking me questions and I don't remember exactly what it was around, but somehow it like broke through, I guess my like ego or facade or something that I had going on. And I was like, what is happening? And for, it was like a moment where I had become like totally present to the moment. Mm-hmm. And we had to transition to an activity and you was telling me like, because I ended up with both my hands on like my gut area mm-hmm. and like feeling more whole. Oh yeah. And you were like, <laughs> and you were like, just stay like that for part of this exercise and allow that feeling to go. And it was wild because 
for moments, like more consciously, I would say, I was actually feeling present and whole. And I remember looking through like the glass, the glass window and actually seeing like the corner of this building. And it was just like the light, the sun was shining and hitting it. And it was just like a moment where I was in total connection with like the present moment of that building. Wow. I will never forget that. So I don't know. It was, I don't know. It was amazing. That's just some things I definitely picked up and I'll never forget. Well, it's nice that you have a very good memory, you know, embodied memory of it. Because as you're telling the story, you're I can feel you almost in re not just remembering it as a mental story, but re-experiencing, which is only going to help you be all of us, really, you know, some of that more. Oh, that's very wonderful. Definitely. So just transitioning to uh, another area, um, which I'm wondering, because I think everyone who's, you know, exploring more in the Enneagram, learning more, going in and just learning more, period, on this path of growth, we end up in different areas of that we're studying at different times that have caught our eye or caught our heart or caught our body or caught all three of them. And um, for you, what would you say um, lately you've been exploring as far as maybe the Enneagram or anything that is associated with, like, I would say, the path of growth? Well, I don't know. I, I remember going to a conference, an Enneagram conference, and and somebody who's a you know well-known author was speaking and he was saying, well, when he got to be, you know, 70 something, he just decided enough growth and he was just going to live life. And I'm, I remember thinking, please don't say that to all these people who look to you for inspiration about how to keep growing. And why would you come to that? I'm thinking, I don't say it, right? That's just my thing. I would never say that ever. I'm saying it to you, but I'm not using the name of the person. Um, but I'm going to think, like, you know, when I get to be the age you are, will I think that? Why? What would that I try to have some compassion for it? Right. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm like, right. So like I'm now at that age and I'm like, I'm not in that place of where he was like and where I've been for a long time. I was going through like, you know, at some point I wanted to go someplace and go, I really want to pursue something more in depth, where would that be? And I would check out different possibilities and I'd go, no, that's not right for me, right? No, that's not right for me, no. And it wasn't a particular thing, you know, it might've been in the, the somatic area or maybe it was, see, when I went through my training and also, you know, been to, through therapy myself, I was trained both as a gestalt, which is a more emotional-based mm -hmm. and rational emotive therapy, which was more mental-based. And that was like in the 70s. So you know, I've been carrying that forward. So I do that. And then so somatic stuff, I'm very intrigued. And I use that a lot in my work now, as you probably, because I know we've been together in some recent programs. It's very interested in that techniques and all that. So, so I just would been working, like I take every day, every moment, everything that where I feel either under or overreactive or not receptive or anything to like work like, okay, what is that about? What am I feeling? You know, to work, do my sort of in daily practice. Um, so that now, and, and so that's, it's not a specific thing. You know, yes, I meditate sometimes. I just bought a new meditation pillow, which I like. Um, but I did a lot of meditation. Really. So I'm one of these people that can go have an MRI and go into complete stillness for an hour and not move. And they go, how, how can you do that? And I'm like, well, I, meditation can do, you know, I know how to 
single I can do that. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I I did an MRI um kind of recently and that was rough. Yeah, um, see I breathing, enjoy it. Uh breathing saved me, but it was rough yeah. for me. And say I you know, I don't use breathing. I use um single point of attention. I just get into a single point of attention and I don't move. So I've been reading the, the all of these books, you know, the, more in the Gurdjieffian, but it's a lot, you know, Bennett and Nichols and, you know, Knowles dance of leadership dance and even more, even more, you know, so Rodney Collins book, Rodney Collins's book, it's it with an N. And I'm trying, you know, and I feel like I'm learning and it's meditative and I'm reflecting on all, you know, it feels more like a, a med- full-centered meditation on certain concepts, you know, that's really like just a, sometimes it's simple and sometimes it's complicated, but it's like, I can't remember where I read it exactly because they don't all agree with each other, but this was just amazing. Nine, Enneagram, nine meaning something written or drawn, right? So the book says, the, actually, the name Enneagram doesn't refer to the types. It refers to the lines. So, you, you know, if you look at the symbol, so this is like, so, I mean, I can't tell you, <laughs> can you think about this? Um, what I, I gained so much. So the symbol, if you take the arrows out, there's lines, and I counted the lines just to make sure that there are exactly nine lines. And I went, oh, it's a change of perspective. So I've been like meditating and reflecting on the symbol without the arrows and the lines and the circle. You see what I mean? It's like a whole different perspective on everything. And then I'm, um, and so then the, in the Gurdjieffian way with, with these, you know, are all disciples or people who were, it's, they don't refer to the types because they weren't into specifically the psychology, but they were getting there actually. But it's they refer to points because two lines make a point. That's why it's called points. You know, you ever wonder why why some people refer to as points and some type, and it means something different. We use the word point. It doesn't actually mean t- your type, your psychological, spiritual. You know, this the ego structure. It's it's the two lines coming to a point. So, I, like, I even close my eyes and we're doing it now, and I can see two lines actually coming to a point, right? And then you have the other is a triangle. Like if you have these lines that are like that. So I'm very interested. There's a not a triangle, but there is. So you put two points together, right? Two lines together and pick a point. Then those could be connected at the base of the line with another. And then you get all these triangles, see? And it's like, so I'm working like meditating on triangles or something, reflecting. I don't know. So I guess that's where I'm going these days. Where is that going? I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> I have to, like you said, like it, it is meditative in a way. Mm-hmm. I can't really explain it right now. I don't have words to really explain. No, I know because when I can't, you get to get to a certain point and then it's like, then you can explain something, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's, I, you know, and mm-hmm. I think all of them too, what they do really well is they build, like they build on stuff. Like they yeah. help to establish a foundation for like the reader right. to understand more of what they're going to go into. And one of the things that I, I was just talking to Peter O'Hanrahan about this mm-hmm. is this, one of the things that I admire about them. And I see he's read a lot of this stuff too, but he was like reading it 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. So he and I chit chat about this stuff. We don't chit chat. We talk about it. It's more serious sometimes over really good scotch, right? <laughs> it's really, mm. really good scotch. And it's like, we just talk about this if it's in person because he lives close by. So I was told him and he said, it was, I don't experience those early developers 
of the underground, the early writers, the early scholars, the early whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. the equivalent in that era to what's I think happening now. I don't find them egotistical. Mm. There's a lot of humility of exploration instead of some of the times what I see now is an arrogance of, oh, this is it because yeah. I say so. None of that in them. And it's like, could we have a little more of that legacy, please? Yes. <laughs> we have that, please. I mean, how can we bring that in? I think that's probably the one of the most awesome things I've learned. Because you can, t- I can tell by reading somebody's writing, if they're in, you know, they, some kind of arrogant. I'm reading one book, no name, but it sounds quite arrogant. It's like, maybe there's some good stuff in there, but oh my God, it's so arrogant. Or it's very self-oriented or it's very, you know, they just were ex- really wanting to explore and learn and find. Because in the book that I'm reading right now, uh, In Search of Being, right here. Okay. One thing that's written about Gurdjieff saying is like, it's kind of like the equivalent of question everything I, that I write in here. Don't just take yeah. a hook, line, and sinker. Yes. And I was like, yes, yes, that's not what you said. What people start off with writing, like it's like <laughs> that's where humility is. You know, I was talking to Peter because there is this is another thing that's fantastic. I haven't read that book, and I'm so happy to hear it. Is there is a tendency for people to want to be gurus early on, and then they then they take other people's the people have to get gurus take power from others essentially. And why do you want to be a guru? But that's I think a temptation in the field, right? And so he was saying, yes, he when we Peter and I've talked about that a lot, and. You've seen people in contemporary, like, want to be a guru, you know? But anyway, and I was saying about the, it seems like that wasn't true there. He said, well, there was a way that um, Gurdjieff was a guru, but then when he saw what his his followers were doing, he sent them away. So I said, well, I don't think he then really wanted to be a guru, Peter. Right. He may have sort of been like guru-esque, but when he saw that that wasn't sort of, you know, he just sent them away to do their own thing and empowered them without telling them what to do. And it's like, so this confirms that, you know, that he's saying, don't just take, you know, think it through, feel it through, um, experience it through for yourself. You know, and I always say to when I teach it, when, because people ask all kinds of, there's, what do I think about this theory and that? And I go, I've, I've said, don't listen this. I'll tell you what I think. Okay. And if I tell you, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure about this, you can still do this. And if I tell, I'm not sure, but this could be, but I go, is it true? And is it useful? And if you think it's true, don't just take because somebody who thinks says it's true because you think they're a source because there isn't source. But you got to figure out, is it true? And then is it useful? And if it's true but not useful, that's not something I think it's interesting. Like these, I don't know if this nine, it's the lines that are nine, not the numbers. I think that's good. It's useful to me because it gives me a different perspective on the whole right. symbol. And it makes it less flat, actually. For some reason, when I think of it like that and see all of these, as, it's like all of a sudden I see a dome. That's what that does for me. And it's like, what if it's a dome? But anyway, so I find it tr- probably true and very useful, maybe more sure that it's useful than it's true. But, you know, if it's tr- not true, don't even bother. It might be useful. Use it a little bit. But, you know, if it's not true and not useful, then, you know, you know, we need to be discerning, right? I'm so glad you said I was hoping that this phrase like true and useful is going to come out, which I'm so glad it did, because I think that's that's the relevancy of it. And I think that's what made me so fascinated Mm -hmm. in like the way that you like share the Enneagram. Like that's what made me so fast. I was like, like, this is useful. Like this is true. We can use this. And it's true. Like, my goodness, let's Mm -hmm. let's go forward on this. So that's what I really appreciated when I, you know, first was like Googling and searching for different, you know, programs, I was like, I think this might be the one. 
<laughs> well, you're still here, so I guess maybe you were right about right. that, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if the craziness in the world didn't happen, I had planned to be in person with you way more often than next year. Um, mm-hmm. I had plans, obviously. I know. I really want to do that. We're gonna. I'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, um, is there anything coming up, like uh, any courses, events, um, things that you're doing that uh, you would like the audience to kind of know about? Well, there's, we've got our program scheduled for the first half of 2000, you know, 2022. So we got, you know, six of those. And then there's um, a program coming up in December. It's an advanced coaching 2.0. It's pretty awesome. But you have to know already how to coach and integrate the Enneagram with it. But it's awesome. Um, and then, what am I, like, you know, I might, I might have some other things booked that are, but they're not actually public because, like, I'm doing something you know, the, you know, Jessica and Russ are doing right. this mega Enneagram thing. So I'm doing, I don't know, like an, it's an hour and a half on typing. And, you know, I don't even think type <laughs> matters and it doesn't. So how am I going to teach them how to type? And there's going to be hundreds of them. I mean, and, you know, yeah. type matters and it doesn't. And I don't want to just talk about that because I think they're going to want to know how to type better. Yeah, we can talk offline a little bit more. I'm actually a facilitator for that program. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. So I could give you a little bit more insight. Oh, I want to. I need that because I want, you know, I like to give people what's going to be good for them. And there could, I think they have several hundred students, right? Oh, yes. Yes. It's it's going to be more than a hundred on the call, probably. And this probably is, about. I did one on uh, using in, in organizations. I had a couple hundred and that was an elective. So I know people can listen to it, but still, you know, it's yeah. like, okay. <laughs> I just, you know, it's like, how do I, and also it's an hour and a half, but it's the, it's only an hour I have to deliver. It's the last half hour is Q and A. Yeah. Which is going to be probably pretty interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Q and A. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that for well, sure. Okay. Well, I'm okay. We're going to another call that won't hurt anybody. Right, right. <laughs> I'll make sure um, for everybody listening, I'm going to make sure that your website, enneagramandbusiness.com mm-hmm. is in the show notes so they can click it and go there. Yeah, I've got books too that you can buy through Amazon. Yes. And then, you know, training materials you can purchase online. We have new virtual training tools, which you probably don't know about yet. But anyway. I just saw it. I was looking this week and I was like. We haven't even marketed them yet. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. What's that? I know. We've been busy. So. Yes. Uh, plenty of ebooks. You've dropped tons of ebooks lately. Free ones. Free ebooks. So I'm going to make sure the link is in there because there's so much mm-hmm. rich information and knowledge here about the Enneagram, about the experiences of them and how to grow. And it's practical. It's truthful and useful, which mm-hmm. is really important. <laughs> and we really like our ebooks because part of it is like, I like to make resources available where there's not a financial commitment. You know, you're just, they're free. Right. And I've written so much, many blogs and, our, you know, so, so we kind of, and other things. So kind of like put together, it's also very, each mini book is very visual and it's not generally that long either. And so, you know, people can just access them and share them. These are, you know, download them, print. I don't think you'd want to print them, but you can share them. I don't think they would work in print. And you can do them on, you don't have to be online, except there's one my son, Trace, did it's music, jazz, and he's got links to jazz things. So there you, to hear it, you have to be online. But anyway. And the one with the YouTube videos and embedded in them too. Oh yeah, those two. Yeah, what's obvious, what's not. Yeah, that's. And that's a really good one. That um, is a good one. Yeah. We talked about it in a small group I was in. Um, yes. Okay, so. Which small group you're in? Yeah, there's a, 
I'm in so many different groups. It's like a Enneagram spiritual group that what? was formed from, I mean, it's, it's like four people. One of the people who is a two kind of gathered us and uh-huh. it's turned out really well. And we just go through things that we're working on and working through uh-huh. at the time and help support each other and everything. So it's, we brought it up. So, oh yeah. Okay. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, yeah. So, uh, Ginger, thank you so much for letting me interview you. A pleasure, um, my dear. Nice to be with you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're, we'll hopefully be able to share physical space sooner than like things eventually, mm-hmm. hopefully. So that would be extra awesome. But I, I definitely want to thank you for being here. Please check out EnneagramandBusiness.com. Tons, literally tons of information, yeah. tools, books, everything. Uh, and they're all accessible, practical, useful, and um, you can digest them. Like, it's not like, a, you know, you're going to be sitting down for an hour looking at a wall trying to figure out what in the world is happening. You can really digest them and then be able to, okay, how do I implement this? Right. So mm-hmm. I love that about it. So please go check that out. And remember, if you feel your ego is getting triggered and you're about to do something that is totally repetitive in your pattern, take a deep breath, make a better choice and do it for the gram, the Enneagram, of course. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye bye.